This is your Olympic hero and former WWE champion, Kurt Angle. And I just wanted to give a shout out to my guys, Clint and Noah. When it comes to covering sports, there is no one better. And believe me, that's true. It's damn true. What if I told you that one Kansas Cityan was having the best year of his life in 2020? Is the Big Ten trying to play its way back into fall football thanks to Donald Trump? Plus, an interview with former Kansas City Chiefs Pro Bowl cornerback Brandon Flowers, all coming up right here on The Elite. Gentlemen, you are the top 1%. The Elite. Best of the best. You are now listening to The Elite Sports Podcast, brought to you by Vermeil Wines and powered by GASN Sports, the pinnacle of hard-hitting sports talk. Featuring weekly expert analysis and top-notch interviews. And now, please welcome your hosts, Noah Groniger and Clint Schweitzer. And thank you once again for joining us here on the Elite Sports Podcast. Clint Schweitzer alongside Noah Groniger. And Noah, I'll tell you what, we are revving up. We are one week away from the start of the NFL season. It doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel possible. Yet here we are one week away. Chiefs and Texans Thursday night football at Arrowhead Stadium. The Kansas City Chiefs have their rings. The Super Bowl champs are here. It's time to get this season started, but it just feels a little different. No preseason games, very limited training camp access, yet here we go, and I'm ready for it, and I'm here for it all season long. Let's keep this train going, man. It's exciting. We're going to welcome this Super Bowl championship team home in style with about 15,000 of our closest friends, if that counts. Yeah, it does. Uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. We start the run it back tour at home inside Arrowhead Stadium, raising the championship flag banner that uh, was raised at training camp. They're going to do another ceremony uh, for opening night here in Arrowhead against those Houston Texans. They lose uh, DeAndre Hopkins, but they get David Johnson, the running back from the Cardinals. Uh, I'm not sure that was a great trade. Not sure how that's going to work out for them. But it is going to be interesting. This might start to feel like a preseason game. You might have to talk yourself into the fact that, no, this is the regular season. This game counts. This is for something. This is where we start our run to be back-to-back Super Bowl champions. Well, where better else to start than in Kansas City, the defending Super Bowl champs, the team that's had the best offseason of any team in pro football. Have you ever seen a team better equipped to repeat as Super Bowl champions in your lifetime? And I, and I know that it sounds unbelievable, but currently the Chiefs are the number one draw in sports. The entertainment value, the team is returning. Most of it starters from a Super Bowl team. Noah, this is an incredible time to be in Kansas City. You just had your GM and your head coach extend their contracts after that GM extended the likes of Chris Jones, was able to sign Bashad Breland to a one-year deal, and the biggest extension of all 10 years to Patrick Mahomes worth $500 million. Oh, does it feel good to be king? And I don't really know how to treat these feelings here as a Kansas City and where for years I left off any thoughts of the Chiefs making deep Super Bowl runs, deep uh, playoff runs, that is. And now here we are. Man, what a difference a couple years makes. Absolutely. And uh, we also extended Travis Kelsey, uh, Andy Reid, and Brett Veach got six-year extensions. So we're in this for the long haul. We're going to be running it back, uh, hopefully year after year after year. That's why this season is so important, not to only get underway, but to stay going and to not be starting and stopping. We may see that, but hopefully we can at least get 12 regular season games in. But where it really matters is that we need to get all the playoff games in. We need to crown a Super Bowl champion because if we do – there's a darn good chance that that's going to be our Kansas City Chiefs. No question about that. And I'll tell you what, has there been a person 
in the world that's had a better 2020 than Patrick Mahomes. Let's think about this. Patrick Mahomes gets hurt back in October of 2019, misses three games. The team is six and four. The team is struggling. The team goes on to win six straight to end 2019. And 2020, no big deal. The Chiefs just complete a clean sweep of the Texans, of the Titans, and in Super Bowl 54, take down the San Francisco 49ers where Patrick Mahomes becomes the MVP of Super Bowl 54. He then parlays that into a $500 million extension. Not only that, he receives a Super Bowl ring just this week. After that, one ring wasn't enough, Noah, because he put a ring on his life long girlfriend, Brittany Matthews Finger, immediately following in a wonderful ceremony. Has there anybody, is there anybody that's had a better 2020 than our guy, Patrick Mahomes? I would like some of the fans to start nominating and start mentioning people and bringing them to our attention because I don't see how it's possible that anyone has had a better 2020 than our QB 15, PM 15, Patrick Mahomes. You mentioned it all right there. The guy's getting married. He's got the world at his fingertips. The endorsement deals just keep coming in, and they're going to keep coming in and keep coming in. He's young. He's making all this money. He's already won one Super Bowl. He's going for more. He's chasing Brady. He's talked about playing till he's 43 like Brady is now. The Chiefs are even – there's rumors out there that the Chiefs are interested in Leonard Fournette giving this offense even more weapons and becoming more dynamic. They weren't, they weren't going to put in a waiver wire claim. It was too much money. But if Leonard Fournette is interested in playing for a league minimum or near league minimum deal, uh, the Chiefs have said, the rumors are out there, that they are interested in one Leonard Fournette. What are your thoughts on that? Another LSU running back in this backfield, along with Darrell Williams, and of course, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Let's just make this the Go Tigers backfield. I'm all for it. Uh, when you see what the Chiefs have done, we had our concerns. We said there's no way they can sign Chris Jones to a long-term deal. There's no way that they can pay him in excess of, you know, $80 million. There's no way that you can extend Patrick Mahomes to the level that they did right now. But yet Brett Beach has managed to do it. He's managed to not only do that, but um, have a draft class of young and up-and-coming talent that people are excited about. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire comes in. If you want to add Leonard Fournette to that, hey, why not? I'm not going to question it. I'm not going to say it can't be done because the Chiefs are the team that every other organization is mimicking right now in the National Football League, and that's never been the case in my lifetime. We sat there and with bitterness, with hatred, with disdain, looked at teams like the Patriots. We looked at this when the Broncos got Peyton Manning, where everybody, all free agents, wanted to go to anywhere else but Kansas City. And now, guess what? The biggest show in town is Kansas City, Missouri, baby. And I never thought I'd live to see it. It's unbelievable. I never thought I would either. And we can talk about the winningest team of the 90s and Marty Schottenheimer-led Chiefs and those great defenses, but no one was really mimicking that because we had a great defense. We had one of the best pass rushers of all time in Derek Thomas in the sea of red, a college atmosphere. Marty brought that. That defense brought that. And teams weren't really mimicking that because they didn't have the crowds. They didn't have that college-style atmosphere and a defensive-style head coach, Marty. So this is really the first time that everyone is looking at us and mimicking us. Just look at the AFC West and what they did in the draft. The Raiders go out and get Henry Ruggs. Uh, the Denver Broncos go out to get Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler. Uh, they went out and signed Melvin Gordon in free agency. 
uh, the Chargers went and got a quarterback in Justin Herbert because they're not trying to stop this offense. They're trying to become this offense and match the Chiefs' firepower, which I'm not sure I totally agree with that, but you've got to do something, and they've all decided we're going to load up on the offensive side of the ball to try to keep pace with this dynamic number one offense freak show in the NFL. Noah, let's face it. If you go anywhere these days, you need a mask. That's right, Clint. If you go to the bank or the gym or even the store, you're going to be required to wear one for the foreseeable future. If you're going to be rocking a mask, why not do it in style while celebrating the Chiefs Super Bowl victory in the process? Absolutely. Visit our friends at Noble Apparel to check out all their selections of masks that come in all styles from Frozen to Spider-Man and of course our defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. Noble Apparel is KC born and bred and their merchandise is by Chiefs fans for Chiefs fans. Visit NobleApparelKC.com or check them out on Facebook today at Noble Apparel 816. Let's not forget a contract extension to Travis Kelsey in there while we're at it. We're just throwing it out here. We are running it back. And the reason that this is possible is because the salary cap is the biggest joke in pro sports. The salary cap can be manipulated. It can, you can kick it on down the curb. You can find a way to pay these guys. You can find a way to do it on and off the books. Any sort of analysis about the salary cap and what a team can and can't do based on – the Chiefs had $1.77 in the bank account to start 2020. Am I right? To start the Absol- fiscal yes, year? Yes, absolutely. Right? And everyone's been wondering throughout the years. They always look at the, the good teams, the favorites going into the season, and like, well, how do they do that? They're cheating the salary cap, and there's been teams that have had to pay – And I know the Raiders were in cap hell and uh, the Broncos uh, have been caught cheating the salary cap and had to pay back, but it's not that big of a penalty. And, but the Patriots, you look at them and how they've managed and manipulated the salary cap. And now it's the chief's turn. It's our turn to be Kings of the NFL, Kings of the salary cap, figuring out ways that other people use as excuses. Just, Oh, we don't have any money. We don't have enough cap. We've, we've signed bad contracts. Like the chiefs have figured out a way and we are looking to stay atop the NFL for years and years to come. Well, while we're at it, why don't we just make this a chief's elite sports podcast? Why don't we just bring on, Brandon Flowers, former Chiefs cornerback, as a guest on this very show and keep this completely Chiefs-centric. I'm up for it if you are, because Brandon Flowers, good friend of ours, retired back in 2017, played for the Chiefs from 2008 until 2013, um, and was a pro bowler in 2013. We're going to talk to him about some of those tough playoff losses, losing to the Colts in 2014, and what it was like going from the Chiefs to the San Diego Chargers subsequently. So a lot to get into with Brandon Flowers. We're going to talk to him about uh, Virginia Tech and the ACC. They're playing football along with the Big 12 and SEC. How does he feel about the Big 10 and Pac-12 sending this out? And is there going to be new news with that as well? Donald Trump's gotten involved. I'll tell you this. I don't care who you vote for, but it is my utmost belief that Joe Biden doesn't know who plays in the Big 10. And meanwhile, you've got Donald Trump sitting here getting involved in meetings with Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, trying to get this season saved for the Big Ten. You're telling me if he's able to do that and this able, and they were able to make this happen in October that Donald Trump's not going to win some of those up-in-the-air states, the Wisconsins, the Minnesotas, the Pennsylvanias? Those states want football, Noah, and Donald Trump may be delivering it to them. What kind of world do we live in here? The Big Ten bungled this so bad that Donald Trump's having to step in. 
yeah, I don't know what kind of world. I've been trying to figure that out, and I'm still at a loss six months later trying to figure out what kind of world we live in. Is this a twilight zone? Have we slipped into another dimension? Is this an alternate universe? Am I in a wormhole? It never to be seen or heard from again or be able to find my way out? What is going on? All I know is that whichever candidate can bring me politics that are not in the mainstream media every day. That's the candidate I want. I want out of this. I want out of talking about this. I want out of people calling me a liberal Democrat. I want people out of, I want to be out of people calling me a racist conservative. I just want out. I'm not on either side. I'm happily in the middle with really no viewpoint and no interest in talking about this stuff. Uh, I just want to stick to sports. That's what we do best here on the Elite Sports Podcast. Bring you guys the best sports guests, the best sports discussion. That's what Clint and I do, and that's what we want to keep doing. You're so right about that, and I'm glad you brought that up because uh, after the interview we did last week with former Between the Lines host Kevin Keatsman, who now has a podcast of his own called Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, we were the subject of some lightning rod conversations. We were called racist white supremacists, basically, um, it was very strange because after eight years, hundreds of interviews, hundreds of podcasts, videos, films that we've made, nothing like that had ever come close to, to crossing our paths. And we've had so many more people on the show on the other side, on the liberal Democrat side, if you have to put it into a box. Yeah, if you have to put it, this. right, if yeah. you even have to do that, which we don't, but you're right, if you're having to break it down into its, to that form, yeah, and so it was. Um, it was very. We were very taken aback by that and the fact that it happened. But aside from that, we got some really good feedback on the interview we did last week with Kevin Keatsman. We've had Jason Whitlock on this show from Outkick. We drove to Knoxville, Tennessee, to interview the mayor of Knox County, Glenn Jacobs. So I'll tell you this: while the rest of you are sitting behind your Facebook keyboards posting memes, bashing this candidate or that candidate, we're out there doing interviews, getting the information straight from the people themselves, straight from a politician himself. Glenn Jacobs, a.k.a. the Big Red Machine Kane, is as tuned into any of these issues as anyone. He is the mayor of a major county in the United States. Jason Whitlock, one of the top sports journalists today, and he's very outspoken about his views. I've put in requests for people on the other side, and we don't hear from them. I'm not here. I don't hear, we aren't going to hear from Jamel Hill. She's not going to come on this show. Well, those kind of people know, but we have heard from Marcus Lattimore. He eloquently spoke on this issue on our podcast uh, several weeks ago. We loved hearing from him. We've had so many yes. people. Silk Cozart talked about it as well. Uh, he shared that with us. And so we've, uh, an actor, he was in White Man Can't Jump, uh, Saved by the Bell, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He talked eloquently. We've had so many people on the other side. But yeah, people uh, like a Jamel Hill or uh, people that are really into uh the politics of it. Uh, we haven't heard from them. They haven't come on our show, but we have heard from the other side that are into the politics of it. Like a Jason Whitlock, you mentioned Glenn Jacobs and of course, Kevin Keatsman last week. You're right. With that said, we want to move on to this week's interview because it's a great one. And it's great to catch up with Brandon Flowers because he was a very good player here for quite some time. Drafted in the second round out of Virginia Tech in 2008. He was a part of the stunning draft class from the Kansas City Chiefs in 2008, which also featured Brandon Albert, it also featured uh, Glenn Dorsey. But don't forget about Jamal Charles and Brandon Carr, his running mate in the Chiefs defensive backfield for years. Winning season returns at MyBookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means Survivor, Super Contests, and Squares. At MyBookie, winning season means hitting all your parlays and props with your feet up, watching your team trounce their rivals. Rejoice, guys! It's time to celebrate the NFL season. 
Invest in your intuition. Use promo code Elite Sports and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. From live betting to championship futures, every play you want to make is waiting at MyBookie. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Use promo code Elite Sports and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today, only at MyBookie. How's it going? What's, what's, what you been up to, man? It's, uh... It's been a few, kind of a crazy few months, hasn't it? What's been up? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just taking care of my off-the-field stuff, doing the whole analyst thing. I'm into the real estate stuff now, and I'm starting my own 7-on-7 team for these guys to go start cleaning up at college camps around here. So I'm staying busy down here in South Florida, so just trying to keep everything going through this pandemic as best as I can. Well, that's great to hear, man. I just came back uh, from Pensacola today. Great weather down there. It was great to get down to Florida, man. Um, so, uh, obviously, as we look forward here to uh, to training camp, which went full pads today, nobody really knows it because, you know, no one's there to cover it. Uh, this is gonna, this, what is this NFL season, man? This is going to look a little different. Uh, this is going to be crazy. I mean, with uh, no fans or very few fans, what what is? Are you, I mean, as a former player, someone that retired just three years ago, like what? What's your level of excitement going into this? Is it just going to be kind of curious to see how things go, or is, I mean, do you think we can really make a good run at this season? I'm gonna be very curious. You know, I don't think the no fans aspect will be a big problem for the players to play through because these are players that just love the game that they play. And I think the stadiums will do a great job playing crowd. Crowd anyway, but they'll play music during the game, putting fake crowd noise to simulate a real game as best as they can. But my biggest issue is if they try to do a bubble situation like the NBA and try to keep all the players at a hotel all year, it'll feel like a training camp all year. So I don't know if the production on the field will be the same and, Guys will be just as juiced on the field, and we'll see crazy stats that we're used to seeing. I just think guys that get so used to doing everything the same way every day, and they're not going to come out with that same fire on Sunday. So I'm hoping that's not the case, and we could just see a season full of fireworks. Absolutely. And, Brandon, you mentioned uh, you're doing your analyst thing there. After the Chiefs beat the Chargers uh, last November, you were on First Things First, and you said uh, – Chiefs were looking for maybe a first-round playoff loss here. And uh, in your defense, they were down uh, big margins there in all those playoff games. Just what did you see in Mahomes in that whole playoff run? To be honest, I knew Mahomes was special. But in that run, he showed me how special he really is. I thought he was human, you know. (laughs) I thought he was human. He was going to go out there, start turning the ball over, making young mistakes that young quarterbacks make. But he's not that guy. And the Chiefs haven't had that you know, outstanding playoff record. Andy Reid hasn't have a had an outstanding playoff record. And I just didn't want Kansas City to think that they can coast into the playoffs and just think they can just turn it on. But, man, the way Mahomes played, you know, he definitely showed he deserved the contract he got. And not only that, you see Andy Reid, he, he's interesting because he's going to load up his offense and say, whatever we have on defense, we're just going to have to live with. We're going to outscore everybody we play. So every offensive weapon that he feel like he needs to have, He's going to keep intact. And going into the draft going forward, I think you'll see a New England type of draft phase where they're just drafting O-linemen and D-linemen every year because the skill position is going to be set. What was your emotions like when the Chiefs uh, come back, came back and, and beat the San Francisco 49ers in Super Bowl 54? Uh, you played for this franchise for six years. 
You played for four different head coaches here, which is insane. But you played for Andy Reid in 13 before you moved on to the Chargers. What, what was it like for you as a former player? Um, obviously, um, you know, you went to the Chargers in hopes of getting to play against the Chiefs. So there might have been some, uh, you know, some uh, little resentment there going to the Chargers. But what was it like for you as a former player knowing that you helped kind of build the foundation of this and what it kind of became under Andy Reid? You know what? It was a little bittersweet. I was so happy for the fans just the guys in the locker room who I played with, just because I was there, we was winning two games a year, four games a year. The stadium's still packed. It's still Red Friday. So I just know how much it meant to the city and everyone. You know, Coach Andy Reid's a great guy. I know how much he wanted to get that monkey off his back. But at the same time, I was just like, man, if we would have had a Patrick Mahomes and I was there because we were the deepest first team when I was there. You know, uh, we just brought over Matt Castle. And then I only played, what, one, maybe two years with Alex Smith. So at least if I would have had Alex Smith for a couple of years, I'd have felt better about it. But it was like a revolving door at quarterback when I was there. So I was just like, man, I just wish I had a Patrick Mahomes on my team to be celebrating in Miami. I was there at the game. So it, it, it was all oh. love, man. I, I was there to see the confetti come down. I can't lie and not say I wish I wasn't on that field at that time. Well, you mentioned it there. Maybe in uh, 2014, that playoff game against the Colts, the second biggest uh, playoff comeback in NFL history. If you guys had Patrick Mahomes, it would have turned out differently. Just a tale of two halves. Talk about that game, how strange it was. It was very strange. And the most frustrating part was I was hurt. Myself and Jamal Charles was in a locker room, and we couldn't do anything to make a play to bring our team back. And this is why I think, Mahomes would be special in Kansas City because Andy Reid is not a guy who's going to be conservative. He don't care how many points he's up. He don't know how to be conservative. And when we had Alex Smith at the time, it was just – we wasn't knocking off minutes off the clock like we should on every possession. And now that they have Patrick Mahomes, you're almost like give him the ball every possession. I don't care if we're up 20, give it to him. So that's why Mahomes and Reed would be so special. He wants the ball in Mahomes' hands. Mahomes wants the ball in his hands. So it's just a perfect match. And I don't think something like that will ever happen in Kansas City again. Well, I want to go back to uh, the 08 draft class. You come in, you're the second pick here in Kansas City. The Chiefs had two first-round picks that year. And uh, Brandon, Ell Brandon Albert and Glenn Dorsey, uh, you come in. That draft class is legendary to this day. Jamal Charles is in there. Your running mate, Brandon Carr comes in there uh, later on. Just talk about that draft class coming in here uh, after a, you know, prodigious career at Virginia Tech. You forgo your senior season and you're drafted by Herm Edwards and the Kansas City Chiefs. And like you said, went on to win two games that year. But that foundation really is what kicked off the, the success this franchise wound up having. So kind of a double-edged sword there. But, man, some, some really great players uh, from that era, man. Definitely. It was a special season for me, you know, um, cause I respected the guys that went first round before me and Glenn Dorsey. I played him that season. Uh, we played LSU, Virginia Tech. So I knew how good of a player he was. So I was happy to be on a team with that guy. I knew what kind of leader, uh, he was going leadership he was going to bring to the team. Brandon Albert, he went to a rival school of mine at UVA. So I kind of knew the players I was coming in with opposite of myself was a veteran cornerback in year 12, Patrick Sertan, who uh, is my cousin. So I already knew the cornerback <laughs> on the other side. When Brandon Carr came in, we just clicked from the jump because we were the next corners in line. We had to grow up quick. We had uh, Donnie Edwards, who was in year four, 15, Napoleon Harris. We just had a whole bunch of old guys. We knew we had to step up quick. We didn't have time to watch and try to catch on. So 
we kind of took that personal as young guys because we knew how good we were in college and we all wanted to make that stamp on the next level. So at the same time, guy, even Dwayne Bo, he was only a year older than us. We all was just like, hey, this is our team. Even though we're in year one and year two, let's, let's set for a legacy, you know, that this whole city and franchise will remember us by. And that's what we tried to go out and do. Well, Brandon, I wanted to ask you about two games that you played in 2011. Uh, the first one, interception return for a touchdown versus the Raiders. You're looking back at Carson Palmer, and then you pose in front of the black hole. And the second one uh, was the Chargers coming to Arrowhead. Rivers fumbles the snap, and you and a lot of the defensive uh, players are wearing scream masks. Uh, take us back to those two moments. <laughs> so going back to my Oakland Raiders interception, it's crazy you mentioned it because I, if you can see I have the picture right here in my man. Oh, yeah. Right That's here. great. That's I love great. that picture. So, to be honest with you, I literally had a dream the night before. It was like, listen, if I get an interception in the black hole, I'm taking a 15-yard penalty, I'm standing on the ball, and just so happened it came. And while I was running the whole time, I was just smiling, looking at the fans like, if you only knew what I'm going to do when I get in this end zone. Because the hate was real between Kansas City and Oakland. Like, I really hate Oakland as if I was – a two-year-old Kansas City fan. So that moment just felt great, you know, just to taunt the crowd a little bit because it's a general – it's like a real hate robbery going on in Kansas City and uh, Oakland. And going back to the Phillip Rivers Chargers, but with a fumble, you know, um, at that time we thought the Chargers had the game one. There was a field goal range, and we walking off the field like, man, we can't believe we let this one get out of the way. And he fumbled the ball. We got it. And – I just so happily told my dad to go to Walmart and get a whole bunch of screen masks like the night before the game because if we win, we're going to wear them on the field. And we had them on the sideline. I was just looking at the screen mask like we're not going to get a chance to wear them. And as soon as he fumbled the ball, I didn't even see him fumble because I came off the field for that play because they was in a jumbo set, no receivers on the field, I think. And I just heard the crowd yell. And I seen us just running off the field like we got the ball. And that's when I just looked at the screen mask. I actually got that picture in my man cave also hung up. So those are two special moments for me, man. Just to even point those out in 2011, I got both of those in my memorabilia room right now. Those are definitely great moments in my career. How, how difficult was it for you um, during your time at Kansas City? You played for four head coaches. You're drafted by Herm Edwards. Uh, then you, Todd Haley comes in and Scott Pioli. And then uh, Romeo Cornell comes in for a year. I mean, how difficult? Was that for you? What was it like kind of playing for those four different coaches? And was it, you know, I think the scheme changed. You went to a 3-4 in the middle of this. And, like, there was a lot of, a lot of changes, a lot of overhead, a lot of turnover through that whole time. Uh, meanwhile, there's so many great players that were, that were a part of that. From You talk about Dwayne Bowe. We talk about Jamal Charles. Derek Johnson. Dustin Colquitt that was around forever. And, like, and you guys were all, you know, in your primes or coming into them at that point. But, man, playing for four different head coaches had to just be – really frustrating as a player back then man what was that like it is to be at a franchise for six years and you playing again for four different head coaches it's tough because every coach have a different personality and you can only be you on a football field you'll try to you'll try to be accustomed to what they want and what they're bringing in but when it's happening every year and um it's weird because each head coach they love their system some coaches might come in and say, I like taller cornerbacks. I like faster cornerbacks. So every coach is going to come in with their players that they like. And it's almost like you're trying out for the team every year. Is you got to prove yourself to that head coach and that defensive coordinator saying, hey, I know you like this, but I'm a hell of a player too. So you might just want to keep me on this team. 
And it gets even tougher when you go into defensive schemes because you're getting a different playbook every year or two. So you don't get you don't get comfortable with your teammates out there knowing in what spots they're going to be in because, you know, that first year of getting a new defense, you're still learning all the terminology, exactly where your teammates can help you at on each play. So I never really got a chance to get comfortable, you know, and uh, just learn a defensive scheme and master it, you know, trying to be in the same system uh, for four or five years. I had a different system almost every year. So it was tough, but that comes with the game. So you just got to roll with the punches. Well, just a little more specifically on that, talk about how tough it was to play for a coach like Todd Haley. Uh, we've heard a lot of players say it was tough. We've gotten shouting matches with Matt Castle on the sideline. I think him and Barry Richardson got in a little scuffle in that uh, Ravens playoff game later down the road. Uh, just talk a little bit about uh, playing for Coach Haley. To be honest, I love Todd Haley. Offensive guys hate Todd Haley because he's a perfectionist. You know, if you're not doing something right, he's going to let you know at that instance how he feels. And this is what you need to do to get it right. Defense side of the ball, we love it because we're just like, hey, yeah, tell the offense what they need to do. They need to score more points. They need to get this first down. So myself on the defensive side of the ball, I love the way he attacked uh, his coaching methods because he don't try to overstep. Even though he's a head coach and he can comment on the defense, he knows, hey, I'm an offensive head coach. I let the defensive coordinator handle what's going on the defense. I'm, re I'm rarely going to say anything to the defense unless we're just blowing assignments. So I love the discipline he brought to our team. I felt like we needed it at that time. And uh, I think players play better under uh, Ty Haley. They don't realize it because they're frustrated, but they definitely do play a lot better under that guy. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, another one that kind of stands out to me, I mean, you had 21 career interceptions, Brandon. I mean, tremendous career at corner. Another one that stands out, though, 2010, you talk about Todd Haley. This was the first year that we really saw sort of that, um, you know, his, his – philosophies and start to really take hold because you guys made the playoffs that year, but may not have been possible if early in the season, you get a pick six against the Cleveland Browns to win that game. And that kind of, I think you guys turned three, and zero that year. Uh, talk about that 2010 season. You get that pick six in Cleveland winning that game. And uh, you guys make the playoffs there. Barry's a rookie and uh, the team wasn't probably ready to beat the Ravens yet. Uh, a team like that. But I mean, this really, was a pivotal moment because, uh, you know, the Chiefs haven't made the playoffs in four seasons. Take us back to that 2010 season. I remember 2010 season like it was yesterday. We were still fairly young. We had a lot of young talent like Eric Berry, you mentioned, coming in, Javier Arenas, Kendrick Lewis. Those are three rookies we still added to our secondary. You know why we were still very young uh, at corner with myself and Brandon Carr. But with having so much experience of having us start as rookies, we took the field, you know, the 2010 season was right after a four-win season, if I'm not mistaken. But every time we took the field, we felt like we're the best team on the field. We don't beat ourselves. We'll run anybody out of the stadium. So we almost kind of loved playing on the road because we just felt like, ah, teams is marking this down as a win because they're seeing our schedule. And we just went to Cleveland wanting to have fun. And that particular play, uh, we did a great job of disguising. Uh, the quarterback thought I was the man coverage. I dropped off in zone picked it off um that, that was definitely a fun highlight for me to have to uh, add to my uh collection was that the next week against the uh, texans that they you had that horrendous pass interference on andre johnson that cost you remember that you would i think you yep. got did you get thrown out of the game or you got a penalty 
I should have oh, got thrown out of the game because I was I was <laughs> I was letting the ref know what I thought of his call, you know, which wouldn't have mattered anyway because Andre Johnson still caught the ball. But I thought it was gonna be OPI because he pushed off. But you know, uh, just going into that game, I always respect Andre Johnson because he's a South Florida guy like myself. And one thing about uh, Romeo Cannell at the time, he was just like, "Hey, you got him. We're not giving you no help. We understand he's a potential Hall of Famer." You got him. So that whole day, we was kind of going at it back and forth. He'll get completions. I get a pass, pass deflection. So we're just going at it. So I was just pretty ticked off in that fourth quarter when it really mattered. It was one of those plays like that that changed the outcome of the game. But that's just how much, you know, two guys love the game. Him on his part trying to make that play. That's why I was so mad after the play because I don't take losses lightly, man. You know, I would love to go 16-0. So. I definitely should have got kicked out of that game, though, because I just <laughs> lost it on the sideline. <laughs> well, we've talked a little bit about Eric Berry here, Brandon, and he said that in 2012, you and him were watching film of Manning and the Broncos the night before the game, and you saw a deep, skinny post play, and you told him, man, if they run that play tomorrow, I'm going to pick that off. They run it, you pick it off. Eric said you called your shots a lot like that. Is that true? It's true. You know, um, we have a lot of deep to the backs come from my area down here in South Florida, right? And I bring them to my house. Even guys that's in college right now, that's in the SEC, ACC, I bring all these guys in and watch film with them. And I tell them, when you're watching film, it's good to know how the offense is going to attack you. But don't try to put yourself on film and say, I'm going to make every play. Pick out two plays in every game, three max, that you know if they run, you're going to make. And you're going to look like you had a highlight game if you leave with one or two interceptions that game. So every game I went in, I knew if they got in this formation, if they do this motion, I'm literally going to get an interception on this play. If I'm wrong, then I'm giving up seven. I'm sorry. But for me <laughs> studying this film, I know I'm going to make a play if they run this route. And it paid off on that play. And uh, that's what I just try to drill to my young guys now. Don't try to be perfect all game. Know how the offense is going to attack you, but have you a two to three plays that you know you can make a play to change the game off of. Oh, Brandon, I know you're a proud Virginia Tech Hokie. The ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12, they want to play football this year. The Big 10 and Pac-12 just aren't going to be able to do it. Apparently, what, what is your thought? This college football season, we talked about the NFL, how different this is going to look. What, what is this college football season going to be? I mean, are we just kicking the can down the road? Or do you think that these conferences are really going to be able to, to do this? And, and uh, how do you feel about the Big Ten saying, sorry, we were going to have to cancel till spring? I applaud the Big Ten and uh, Pac-12 for canceling their season. I, I think they're, they're really concerned about their player safety. You know, um, to the schools that's not sitting out, I do understand why they're playing because they feel like if they'd be safe enough, they'll be able to get away with it. So I see both sides. Like, you're being safe because this is life and death we're talking about. We're not talking about somebody sitting out a season because of ACL injury, because the field is bad. We're talking about life and death and passing diseases to your parents and friends and family. So that's pretty serious. But to the conferences that are playing, I know why they're playing, because they feel like you're football players. You can go out there and break your neck or get killed on any little hit. You know, so the probability of that happening isn't high, but it can happen. They look at it, the probability of catching COVID isn't high, but it could happen. So let's just go out there and play the game we love to play. And it's also a business at the end of the day. They still want to see that revenue come in. So 
whichever way they go, I mean, I, I try not to dig too deep into it. Absolutely. And I got to ask about old head Brandon Carr. I think he's a free agent this year, but last year he's playing for the Ravens, 34 years old. What have you seen in his game as he's moved on uh, from the Chiefs and now uh, with the Ravens uh, la up to last year? And now he, I don't know if he's taking the year off because of COVID, if he's going to come back after this year, if he's looking for a job right now. But talk a little bit about uh, your former running mate there, Brandon Carr. He, he's a machine, man. He's like the Terminator. He never gets injured. He never gets a hamstring strain. It's just... He's a pro. He's going he's gonna to approach every day, every practice, every meeting like he's a rookie. He's going to take notes. He's going to practice hard. And I think franchises, they appreciate that. He's a guy that you will want your younger guys to look up to in the locker room and say, hey, I want to be like that guy because he does everything the right way when it comes to saving his money. He does great things off the field with kids. And, you know, he's not slowing down. He's a big corner that can still run. So, Right now, he's sitting out there as a free agent, but with guys opting out, and I feel like guys are going to get banged up early this season because they didn't have enough time to get their bodies prepared for this season. I think he'll get picked up this year, and he'll go in and service his team well. Well, Brandon, before we let you go, um, you got to give us kind of your info here because you talked about kind of getting in the real estate game, kind of be, becoming an analyst and things of that nature. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you or check out what you're doing? What's, what, how can we get a hold of you, my man? Wow. How can you get a hold of me? Because I'm so boring on Instagram. Every network I deal with, everyone I like that's in my networking like group is just like, hey, you got to liven up your Instagram so people feel like they can contact you on there. Just I'm literally such an introvert. I mean, I'm, I'm going to get my Instagram going. And that will be the best way to, you know, get to me because Instagram is a way that you can show yourself and uh, just put yourself out there and market yourself. So Instagram would be the way to go. But it's just like I'm so just hidden. Like I'm a hidden type of guy. Me and Eric Berry is the same. Like we'll just fall off the face of the earth and nobody know what's going on. But I will live on my Instagram up and that will be the way to get to me. We have learned that about Eric Berry. We've tried to get a hold of him uh, so many times over the past couple of years. We know his friend Inky Johnson really well. We're trying to make some impasse there. We're going to get a hold of Eric one of these days if it's the last thing we do. <laughs> Listen, if you get a hold of him, let me know how you got a hold of him. <laughs> and we know that's just how Eric Berry is. Like, yeah. we don't look at it any way. Like, come on, man, you don't know us. No, that's just how he is. He just – I'm pretty sure he's probably writing a movie script somewhere, like on his private island, I'm telling you. The guy's a genius, but I understand he's an introvert, so – Good luck. <laughs> well, Brandon, um, tremendous thoughts. We can't thank you enough for, uh, for your time today, my friend. Stay safe and stay healthy, man. Let's uh, get some semblance of a football season out there to enjoy. Hopefully it happens and that everybody is good to go out there and doing it in a safe way, man. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me. I definitely enjoyed it. It was an absolute so honor, much. and thank you for everything you did here in Kansas City. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Extremely informative. We talked to Brandon Flowers about – he and so many other players like Tom Bahali, Derek Johnson, Jamal Charles, Eric Berry, building that foundation for this organization to what it has become today. And I think that a lot of those guys, Flowers included, should take great pride in it. You talk, he, he talked about it. He was at Super Bowl 54 with the confetti falling down. People that were indoctrinated into this organization, they still feel that pride, even though Flowers only played for Andy Reid one year. He's a chief. He was drafted here. He was a pro bowler here. He spent the bulk of his career here, and it was great to catch up with him. It really was, going back to his time, uh, the big comeback uh, that the Colts had in the playoff game to beat us 45-44. Uh, uh, he really 
regrets the fact that he wasn't be able to be on the field with his teammates. He got injured uh, early in that game along with Jamal Charles. They weren't out there to be able to help uh, keep that big lead and secure it all the way home. And, uh, of course, the Chiefs ended up losing that uh, devastating playoff game to the Colts. And uh, just about his time with Todd Haley. Uh, he played for Herm Edwards, Todd Haley, Romeo Cornell, and Andy Reid. Uh, he, a lot of people have a lot of bad things to say about Todd Haley, but he's like, man, as a defensive player, I love Todd. He was getting on the offense. We were balling out there. The offense wasn't holding up their end of the bargain, and he would get on him constantly to, and let him know that and say, hey, the defense is out here playing their butts off, and you guys aren't keeping up your end of the bargain. You're not performing well enough. And so Brandon loves seeing him get on them and try to push them to become better, to become a complete team. It was a true pleasure to talk to Brandon, former All-ACC player at Virginia Tech, a Kansas City Chief and a Kansas City Chief for life, even though he goes to the Chargers for a couple seasons after he leaves Kansas City, he relished in that Super Bowl. And it's great to hear former alum. We talked to uh, Jared Allen. We talked to uh, Tomba Hali on this very podcast, and they both talked about how much pride they felt for Kansas City. This thing is rampant. The Chiefs are a part of the national landscape as much as any Team, sport, player in the country, the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, that is the future of sports, and it's right here in Kansas City, and you can't deny that. It is because you look at all the pieces, whether it's offense, defense, and they're here for years. This wasn't a one-off and now everyone leaves and everyone's picked uh, from the organization and they all go to their own separate ways, their own separate places, looking for the giant payday and to become the star of the team. Uh, they, they all stayed. They all know what is going on here is special. They all want to run it back. It's written on the walls everywhere inside one Arrowhead Drive at Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, they know what the goal is, and they're bringing on the new guys and uh, letting them know, hey, you're looking at this ring ceremony that we had the other night, and if you want this, you need to fall in line, follow us, we'll lead you there, we've done this, we know this, and we're going back for back-to-back Super Bowl championships. Well, something tells me, Noah, that next Thursday here on the Elite Sports Podcast, we're going to be talking a little Chiefs-Texans. Something just, I get that inclination that that's going to be occurring next week as we look for the first NFL Celebrating game. a Chiefs victory, my yeah. friend. Yeah, we're going to be breaking down the game, setting you guys up for it next week, next Thursday, because that game is Thursday night, and we're going to be ready to roll for you guys. We have some big interviews coming up still, guys. We have Leonard Marshall, former running mate of none other than Lawrence Taylor for the New York Giants, one of the great New York Giants defensive players of all time. He's coming up. We have Michael Bishop, former quarterback from Kansas State. Jamie Winborn, the former 49er, former Vanderbilt Commodore. Guys, we have some really fun stuff coming up. So please stay tuned for it. Go to our website, gasnsports.com. That's where you can get all the info, the umbrella to which everything that we do falls under. It is gasnsports.com. We want to thank our sponsors this week, My Bookie and Noble Apparel. Guys, it's time. We got games coming up. Chiefs are going to be playing next week. You go put your money where your mouth is. You know the Chiefs are going to win this game. Go to My Bookie, use the promo code Elite Sports. Put some money down and win today. You know what's going to happen. You know the Texans are going to come in here, and you know the Chiefs are going to run them out of town. So go put your money on it. Go make some money. That's what this is all about. It's a free enterprise, right? And, of course, Noble Apparel. Buy Chiefs fans for Chiefs fans. It's Noble Apparel, nobleapparelkc.com. Big thanks to both. And, of course, we couldn't forget Vermeil Wines. They've kept me sane during the pandemic. Vermeilwines.com. Go check out all of their signatures today, guys. From Real Wines, it's the best wine in the country. Go get some. Thank you so much for joining us. Hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify. And we will be back next week right here on The Elite.